0: Welcome into Fantasy Football Today DFS on Tuesday, October 12th. Frank Sample joined, as always, by Mike McClure and Sian Ajad. Today on the pod, we're going to review our Week 5 cash and GPP lineups, recap some of our Fantasy Football Today DFS contest, the winner there. Very interesting lineup that they had as well. Early Week 6 pricing, and if we have some time at the end, we will wrap up with some Thursday night football thoughts: The Bucks going up against the Philadelphia Eagles. Sia, what is up? How was Week Five for you?
1: Week Five was good. You know, you, you mentioned the word chalk, and we'll we'll look at it in a second. I played a lot of chalk, actually. You know, if the two lineups we're going to see, I played more chalk in the GPP than I did cash, which is kind of funny how it how it turned out. But it was definitely my best week of the year so far. Um, I was a Kadarius Tony punch away from really having a giant week that really made a probably three to $5,000 difference. But outside of that, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the results.
0: Very nice. Yeah. Kadarius Tony guy looks like a player, man. Uh, I think I know a lot of people were doubting him kind of questioning the pick for the giants. I think it's fair to kind of question every move that Dave Gettleman does at this point, but man, he definitely looks like a player. Mike, What is going on for you? It's a solid bounce back for me, and I'm noticing a trend that uh, whenever there's big chalk weeks, that's when I have decent weeks, so I think I need to um, probably rethink things, but how was week five for you, Mike? Week five
2: was okay for me. I had basically split. Half my action was okay. The other half was not uh, balanced out by player props hitting, which were related to some of those chalk plays hitting, so overall it was an okay week, but I would say that as we'll look at the lineups in a bit, it was a little too chalky, for me to have a great week, you know, we want a decent amount of the chalk to hit. We don't want all of it to hit. We want the ones that we decide that we're going to play to hit, and not every piece of chalk to hit. Unfortunately, it was closer to every piece hitting, which allowed me to really have kind of middling results uh, this week.
0: And you mentioned prop bets, and I've got a nice little prop story for uh for the listening and viewing audience later on in the podcast. So let's start off with our cash game lineup review and. Look, it's Sia's world, and we're just living in it right now. So let's pull up this lineup here. 182.04 in cash. Uh, an interesting build here. Four players at 8% ownership or less. Tom Brady up at the top. You've got the three-by-one Brady uh, with Godwin and uh, Antonio Brown. And then you bring it back with Jalen Waddle here. You get Derrick Henry, uh, big cash Hit there, uh, chalk hit 34 DK points. Austin Eckler, though, that is uh, that's the one that's the money maker right there, 2.3 percent, and puts up nearly 34 DK points. No Alexander Madison, see you walk us through this lineup.
1: Yeah, so full disclosure that this isn't my only cash lineup. Madison was in others, and honestly, with this lineup, I love this lineup mostly because I was really all in on Brady, it was going to be Brady and Rodgers this last week. And I was going to double stack Brady for sure. And I was probably going to single stack Aaron Rodgers and double stacking Brady for a couple reasons. One, it's Miami and two, because you're not sure what the splits are going to be between Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans week to week. So here I actually did make a mistake. Admittedly, I I think, you know, Eckler is great. I'm surprised he was only 2.3% owned in in this cash tournament, uh, in most cash tournaments, because I shouldn't say cash tournaments, uh, you know, cash lineups. The reality is Austin Eckler should have been higher than that from a ownership standpoint. However, my mistake was not taking Madison and not buying up from Curtis Samuel. I mean, even going into, and I'm not playing, you know, Monday morning quarterback here, even going into the week, Curtis Samuel's status was kind of up in the air. What I should have done, Frank, was take your play, Ricky Seals-Jones, pay down from Eckler to Madison, and then pay up from Curtis Samuel to Kadarius Toney, who I had played and we'll see later in a lot of other places. So if I had done that, this – almost literally would have been like a perfect cash lineup. So not utilizing Madison was a mistake. However, everything else kind of worked out. Derrick Henry Chalk, I'll I'll eat that all day. Tom Brady at 2.3%. You know, Sorry, everyone, but it it was pretty apparent he was going to have a big game. Speaking of props, just look at his prop from last week. And we talked about it on the Thursday show. It was 310 and a half yards. He was going to throw for a bunch. He's gunning for this MVP. I mention it every single week. Did I pair him with the right receivers? Not necessarily. Mike Evans instead of Godwin would have been better. Outside of that, um, Washington football team, low-end defense. It was them or the Eagles. And uh, everything else just kind of worked like I kind of thought it would outside of Jalen Waddell.
0: Yeah, Tom Brady, look, kudos to you. See, you've been all over this. You's, like Every game we go into, the Bucs can basically just, they just hand it over to Brady. Yeah, like Keys to the car, do whatever you want. Throw as many passes as you want. Doesn't matter what the score is. You could run up the score, get as many touchdowns. He is just on this this role right now, and he's clearly going for records and MVPs, uh, so I think we keep that in mind moving forward when it comes to Tom Brady. He does play in the Thursday Night Football game, as I mentioned, but I think it's a good point that you also bring up uh, when stacking with Tom Brady, because you you probably want two of three of those wide receivers, considering they're all between 17 and 20% target share on the season. Austin Eckler, I thought it was a great play. You get him at the 2.3% ownership, and I think that's because most people were looking at four running backs this week. It was Henry, it was Madison, it was James Robinson, and it was Leonard Fournette. So I, I just think, while everyone realizes that Eckler is a pretty good play week in and week out, just the fact that those uh, those running backs were so much cheaper, uh, and they were also in good spots. I think that's why you get Austin Eckler at such low ownership here. Mike, what do you think about this uh, cash lineup? Because it reminds me a little bit more of a cash lineup that you would build, because it it seems kind of like a tournament-style cash lineup. What do you think?
2: Yeah, it's identical to what I do with the Kansas City Chiefs where they're on the main slate for the most part. Uh, it's just with Tampa Bay. And it's a beautiful lineup. I think the most interesting takeaway here was the field continued to jam Derrick Henry in. I thought we might see Derrick Henry's ownership dip just a little bit on game day, just because of the emergence of Alexander Madison. It was interesting to me that I would have expected that Eckler number to be closer to 10% and not two. And I would have expected that Derrick Henry number to be closer to 50% and not all the way up to 70%. Um, just based on what happened on game day with all of the running back value opening up with Madison, I thought we would see a little more balance in terms of people dropping off of Henry, running more Eckler, and then having some more Mid-range uh, plays at, at those other pieces. So, but overall, it was a great lineup, and you know you can get back and forth on whether you should have played Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. I think you're flipping coins at that point. Um, so, while it's easy to say I should have played the one that that had the better game after the fact, uh, the fact is is they were both fantastic plays, and obviously love it anytime you get. One of those three quarterbacks, it's going to be Mahomes, it's going to be Brady, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. We talk about it every week. Anytime you're getting him at single digits, uh, fire away.
0: Yeah, and I think specifically uh, with Godwin versus Evans, right? if we're talking about a cash game lineup, Godwin has the highest floor of the three wide receivers, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Mike Evans could hit big plays down the field. They use him in the red zone. But Godwin is just the one, to me, that is the safest plays as a slot receiver, and that's obviously a role that Tom Brady likes throughout his uh, throughout his career. The last thing I'll point out with that lineup is something we talked about recently as well. You have Curtis Samuel in at the flex, see, and he puts up a dud, 0.8 fantasy points, but last week we talked about how it's okay to have one or two duds in your lineup when you have these big hits, especially at chalk. So you had four players combined for 143 points in that lineup, so it's okay to have a dud in in Curtis Samuel there, who only puts up the zero point eight points over on DraftKings. Let's pull up a lineup that Mike sent over. You sent over two lineups, Mike, and uh, this is the better of the two. Winds up with one eighty one point one eight, and you go with Trey Lance, uh, Debo Samuel, and Ross Dwelly. So you have the three uh, the three man stack there. James Robinson and Alexander Madison at running back. You have. Uh, Devontae Adams and Amari Cooper as your other two wide receivers you have DeAndre Swift at flex and you have the Eagles defense uh, which put up 12 points they were great they were great in this game against uh, Sam Darnold but you mentioned when you sent these lineups over that you basically had Trey Lance in all of them and you were debating a close 2v2 or 3v3 most of the time what was that 2v2 that you were wrestling with
2: yeah, the 2v2 is almost always going to be one of the running backs and one of the wide receivers uh for me in the or in the flex spot. But this 2v2 here, I had the other one I had Najee Harris in there. Um, I, I was basically not playing Derrick Henry because of that ownership. It was there's multiple levels to the chalk. And then I was playing Trey Lance just because I didn't think that I think a lot of people were not going to be on him because other value opened up like Madison. I didn't think that his ownership levels were going to get like out of control, out of control. So that's why I stuck with it. I thought the value was just too elite. I was already going to play Devontae Adams at the top everywhere. You knew I was playing Samuel with him. You knew I was playing Al Madison no matter what. Um, so I really just, I thought it was going to be an ultra chalk week and I was okay with it. I was taking my stance on avoiding Derrick Henry and then just playing multiple combinations of that chalk, thinking that I'm going to cash all of them because the chalk's going to hit. And then one or two of them might be the exact right combo give me a nice score unfortunately one of them lineups cash the other did not um you know 20 point difference and it was just one of those weeks where there were too many chalk plays that hit and we saw i actually i I sent, sent this in the email to you the cash line in cash games was higher than in tournaments uh by about 12 points this week So lineups that did not, here's the other one that you pulled up here. Uh, it's waddle and Najee Harris here. Um, very, very, very similar lineup. Obviously this is exactly what I did all week. Just mixing in the two plays. Obviously waddle did not hit in this spot and and that changed things a lot. But, uh, yeah, that's what I did all week. And this lineup cashed in tournaments did not cash in cash games.
0: Yeah, no, that's super interesting. The 2v2, you mentioned it here. Najee Harris and Jalen Waddle up against DeAndre Swift and James Robinson, who you had in the other lineup that put up over 180 points on DraftKings this past week. And, and see, him. I basically, I had LaVisca Chenault in my cash game lineup, and I'll pull it up in a little bit. If you're watching us, again, youtube.com slash fantasy football today, you can check us out uh, and watch as we talk about the lineups. So you can kind of uh, watch through what we're talking about here. But, I had LaVisca in all week, wound up sticking with him. When they ruled out Devontae Parker for the Miami Dolphins on Sunday, I start thinking, all right, well, I've got to jam Jalen Waddell. I've got to jam Mike Isecki, where in hindsight, I don't know that even when you know what the target distribution is going to look like, even if it's a narrow target distribution, I don't know that you need to jam it when you have a subpar quarterback like Jacoby Brissett throwing the ball to those receivers.
1: Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. But honest, first of all, the Devontae Parker injury might might have ended up hurting Jalen Waddle because he would have at least taken some attention away. Um, he's, he's, I mean, Waddle's a deep threat, but Parker certainly is as well. You know, your point is well taken, Frank, but let's just be real here. I mean, there's there's a level of incompetence from some of these organizations that whether you have an elite quarterback or not, it really doesn't make sense when you're trailing by 10, 20 points for two to three quarters and you have your prize, you know, number five pick overall just sitting there and you can't scheme him in space somehow. It speaks to me. It speaks to a level of just unpreparedness or or incompetence that is just sort of beyond what my comprehension would have been, which is why, by the way, I jam Jalen Waddle in almost every lineup. No joke. In almost all of my lineups, which was quite a few. Jalen Waddle was in them. There might have been one or two that he wasn't in out of the 30 or 40 that I built. Um, so the short of it is, yeah, I see your point, but he still should have been worth about 15 points. He should have had seven catches. He should have had more targets than he had. And he certainly had some touchdown equity against a back end defense that was not only bad, but also probably, if memory serves, playing soft coverage for at least half of that game.
0: And... I'm pulling up the scoring here because at some point it wasn't like close. But yeah, in the third quarter... The Dolphins got this to a one-touchdown game, a one-score game. This is the middle of the third quarter. I remember texting with you guys, and I'm saying, "All right, well, you know, the Dolphins are climbing back in. I've got a lot of Waddle. I've got a lot of Gasecki. You know, let's keep this game close." <laughs> and then the Bucks just steamroll them in the fourth quarter. So I, I admittedly, I wasn't watching uh, that game solely. I, you know, obviously red zone, watching a bunch of different games going on at once. So I don't know exactly what happened, but. I have a feeling it was a, you know, it was Jacoby Brissett being Jacoby Brissett. So,
1: well, and there is some blame to go around to Jalen Waddle too. There was at least one catch where he should have made it and it went right through his hands. It was a very simple, you know, four or five yard out and it it was returned to the house because Waddle let it slip through his hands. But that, that aside, he still should have gotten way more targets and catches than he did.
0: All right, so yeah, here, I'll, go ahead. I want to,
2: I want submission on Waddle too. Like, he was someone that was considered before we knew Parker was not going to play. Yeah. Um, you know, so we, we talk about like jamming in. We might have, people might have been jamming in Mike Gasecki, but I wouldn't say that Jalen Waddle was someone that was like truly just jam him in no matter what. Uh, because he was fringe playable. like If you run projections, at least with my data, uh, he was on the fringe already before. And then when you're optimizing with an updated projection, he only got about a 2.6 point bump in the projections with Devontae Parker out, which really isn't a significant, significant bump for a wide receiver like that. And that's when he started becoming in those optimal lineups. So he was someone that You know, we can talk about it all day that we had jammed him in because the other guy was out. He was fringe playable before that even happened.
0: All right. So here's the cash game that I line up with, and I'll I'll read it out for those that are listening, not watching. And uh, I I had to actually wind up sweating this one out. And I I did cash and all double ups uh, and partially thanks to Kadarius Tony punching that guy. So I was on the other side of that Sia uh, <laughs> because I didn't have him in this lineup and I know a lot of people did in cash. So I wind up uh, benefiting because of that. So I'm, I'm sorry for you, but it worked out for me. Uh, so I have Trey Lance up top here. Look, it's all chalk. Uh, if you're watching along here, it's no player under 18 percent. I have three over 50 percent. Uh, Trey Lance comes in at 23 percent ownership here. Winds up with 15.58 on DraftKings. He was stopped at the goal line twice as a rusher in that game, so that was uh, that was pretty frustrating. There were four running backs. In my player pool in cash games, which I mentioned, James Robinson was the one that I wound up fading here. He was only 10% owned, obviously had a great game there against the uh, Tennessee Titans. I did go with Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, and Alexander Madison. At wide receiver and tight end, I had Devontae Adams, massive game, 11 catches, over 200 yards, uh, touchdown. He leads the NFL with a 38% target share. And then once that news came out with Devontae Parker, I originally had Keenan Allen and Ross Dwelly as my wide receiver two and my tight end. So I, I pulled Dwelly, I go up to Gasecki, and then I go down from Keenan Allen to Jalen Waddell. So I wind up with the two value plays in Waddell and Chenault. Neither did anything. I mean, it was you know snowflakes here. Uh, and then I do get Mike Gasecki in at tight end. Uh, my defense was the Washington football team. Mike, uh, what do you think about that? Like, is this too much chalk? Because like I know chalk is a right in cash games, but like this is a lot.
2: It's a lot and it, it got there. Uh, I think that the only issue there was just so much waddle. I mean, uh, Waddle and Gasecki together. I think that one, you know, I think it's one or the other just because of the price point on Gasecki at 4,200. Um, I know that forty-two hundred doesn't sound like a lot, but when it is a punt tight end and you're pairing them with their like there there were a lot of Tight ends at that price point or lower. That's the only, you know, thing that I didn't like there. Um, other than that, I, I think it's fine. And you could still argue that it's still a fine play because you were expecting a big game from Leonard Fournette. You're expecting them to trail. You're expecting them to eat up targets. Um, but just two plays that you know, if you look at them or look at the combination of them, they definitely have a negative correlation with each other.
0: Yeah, and the the two v two of Keenan Allen and Ross Dwelly did wind up outscoring Jalen Waddle and Mike Geseki. On Sunday. Yeah, look, it's... And I even texted you guys, too. I'm like, I feel dirty about this. You know, it's two Dolphins in my lineup. It's... Uh, I didn't feel great about it, uh, but I was like, you know, there's a lot going on on Sunday. So I was like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll rock with that. Speaking of Gasecki, by the way, so I mentioned uh, I had a I had a prop. Bad, uh, you know, just a bad loss here. Um, He got up to 43 yards with 11 minutes left in the third quarter. And then he did... He had a catch for zero yards... Later on in that quarter, he had two other targets which he did not convert. I bet the over 43 and a half uh, receiving yards there. So you know what that deserves? The who? The her. Yeah, big loser here for me. Also, you mentioned the name, Sia, but Ricky Seals-Jones, we should have stuck with him, man. 99% of the snaps, he ran 42 routes, 20% target share this past week. He is only 3K in week six going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. A sneaky revenge game. I don't. It's not really a revenge game, but he was on the Chiefs last year. I'm going to be pretty excited to use Ricky Seals Jones See
1: And you were pretty excited last week too, and, and I kind of <laughs> talked you down off it. So my bad there. My my rationale was, well, I think Curtis Samuel is going to be healthy. He's going to eat up some of that target share that we think RSJ is going to get. Um, with that said, I mean, Curtis Samuel got injured like, you know, in the first quarter or something. He aggravated his growing injury. He's going to be out for probably another few games at least. Uh, either way though, it looks like Ricky Seals Jones was going to get a lot of those targets. He got a lot of red zone looks too. So Frank, a good call last week. And I'm sorry if I talked you off of him and B Ricky Seals Jones is going to be so popular this week. Just wait. I mean, because there's not a lot of value tight ends like last week in terms of guys you're really going to want to roster. And this guy, I'm, I'm almost scared to see this guy's uh, ownership percentage.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's already popping in the point-per-dollar projections, too, and optimizers that I've looked at. So, uh, Ricky Seals-Jones will be popular, but I also think Mark Andrews coming off... Look, everyone watch that game in primetime. He's 5,200 this week in a game with a total over 50. I think Mark Andrews is going to be pretty popular as well in Week 6. Let's move on to our GPP lineup review, and uh, we'll pull up Sia's lineup here. Again, look, it's Sia's World. Party time!
3: Win's World! Win's World! Party time!
0: See, you you're your this GPV lineup put up 227.26 DraftKings points. Just an absolute monster week. Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams with Jamar Chase on the bring back. You got the chalky running backs, but it doesn't matter. Henry, Madison, Fournette. You have Ricky Seals Jones in this one with the Washington football team defense. And then Kadarius Toney, who we mentioned, just 10 receptions, 189 yards. Monster game. He does that, only playing fifty-four percent of the snaps. He ran something like 22 or 24 routes so the guy was just an absolute beast when he was on the field uh this this was awesome i I assume this was a single entry right because there's a good amount of cash in here
1: yeah it was a single entry lineup uh it was i believe 3400 that were were in this particular tournament so it's one of those things where i you know i typically wouldn't play this much chalk maybe if it was a little less like 2000 i wouldn't worry as much about the chalk but this one i just kind of got away with it and again if Kadarius tony doesn't punch that guy I mean, we're looking at another few targets, maybe another few catches, maybe a red zone opportunity because the Giants had two additional possessions after the Kadarius Tony punch. Uh, that that and I checked, it probably would have climbed because there were a couple people that had Kadarius Tony. It could have climbed to like third or fourth realistically, which would have been you know obviously a much bigger payout. But the point here is I was either going to play Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. I played way more Tom Brady than Aaron Rodgers, and thanks to Mike. Uh, and you, Frank, because I, I don't usually play a lot of Aaron Rodgers. You can see here from an ownership standpoint, not a lot of other people did too. So that was one of the few ways I got a little bit different. Obviously, Devontae w- was pretty uh, popular, but Rodgers wasn't. And And again, watch us on YouTube because you can kind of see some of this stuff that went right and went wrong with each of our lineups. But um, it was a lot of chalk in here. You know, I, I was going to play Derrick Henry in most of my lineups, even though I knew he was going to be chalk. Ricky Seals Jones. We just talked about him. Jamar Chase as, as a runback option. Um, I played a little bit in other lineups. I played a little bit of T Higgins, but obviously Jamar Chase was the play and it worked out in this lineup. And then again, Washington football team defense, it was going to be all week. It was between them and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, too bad. I didn't play the Eagles here. Cause I would have climbed a little bit, but outside of that, nothing to complain about. I guess the message here though, is in tournaments of, let's say, you know, 5,000 or less or 3,000 or less, you can get away with playing a lot of chalk. And I'm not necessarily recommending it because you kind of have to hit sort of perfectly. If you're going to really get super high, you're not going to be passing a lot of people with guys that are 32%, 54%, 38% rostered. But the message here is if you really like a lineup, and it's a single entry in particular. If you really like it, don't change it just because of ownership. I mean again, with me it was Rodgers and Brady stacks. I was going to play them regardless.
0: Yeah, so the collective lineup ownership here, 216%. And before the year when we did a lot of strategy conversation, we spoke about, you know, tournaments, 120 to 150% collective projected ownership is kind of what you want to look at. Uh probably more so for like bigger tournaments. The bigger the tournament, the lower uh, collective ownership you want. But I think this is a good reminder. Again, if you like your lineup and if this is the way that things play out, Dalvin Cook is ruled out, okay, Madison, we're jamming him in. Derrick Henry, we still think that he has you know a massive ceiling. Same thing with Devontae Adams. It's okay to play chalk, but Mike, what I want to reiterate to people is that, like everything in DFS, it is slate dependent. Just because mm. the chalk hit in week five does not mean that we need to go chasing chalk in week six, week seven, week on, whatever. I think it is solely dependent on the slate, and obviously you know there was a lot of good chalk that was available to us last week.
2: A ton of good chalk that was available to us last week. And like you said, the ownership numbers, you can definitely throw those out the window when you have an absolute free square like Alexander Madison. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's taking 55% ownership right there. But when he does that, it obviously elevates the ownership on guys like Adams and Derrick Henry just because of what it allows you to do. Um, So it's really not a... You know, to, to quote that number and compare it to something else from earlier, like you, you have to ignore those numbers because one player at 60% when like a normal chalk player is 20 to 25%, it's just everything else is skewed so much that it really doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, I think definitely fair points there. Yeah. Um. I'm going to pull up a GPP lineup that I had here. It was basically the same as my cash lineup, and, and this was a single entry as well, uh, but I did stack Trevor Lawrence with LaVisca Chanel. Trevor Lawrence was actually fine, uh, so he was the difference. I used him instead of Trey Lance in this spot, and, and we spoke about how Trey, uh, how Trevor Lawrence is actually running more, and he does wind up with a, with a rushing touchdown, 28 rushing yards in this game against the Tennessee Titans, so keep that in mind for Trevor Lawrence moving forward. He uh, plays in the London game, this week and, and that's why we do have a smaller main slate in week six only uh ten games here but see so yeah, i i do think that we're getting closer to uh actually considering trevor lawrence more frequently
1: yeah i i don't see you know what's interesting is trevor lawrence is fine but who do you stack him with right because right. the the we would, would we would have thought the LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones would have been the leading target getters, or at least one of them would be. And that just wasn't the case. So I think we kind of need to see how this, I mean, it's, it's fine. If you want to take another chance this week on, or I guess next week on LaVisca or Marvin Jones, but we're going to have to try to identify who he's King in on, because if, if we don't know who to stack him with, he doesn't make him quite, it doesn't make him quite as appealing.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, any time that you can get uh, Jamal Agnew eight targets or, or Dan Arnold eight targets, eh, shout out to you guys. You guys mentioned Dan Arnold last week as a cheap tight end, uh, and he actually worked out six receptions for 64 yards, but uh, Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault combined for eight targets. Each of Jamal Agnew and, and Dan Arnold had eight targets each in that game uh, last week. I'm going to pull up our FFT DFS contest winner here as well, if I can find it, and here it is, uh, but yeah, if you want to play against us, as always, $5 entry over on DraftKings, 150 entries, the top 15 gets paid out, the link is already in the podcast and the YouTube description, so if you want to jump in there, compete against Cia, Mike, and myself, feel free to do so, and here was the winner in week five, uh, shout out to, it's either IFH25 or LFH25, it could be a lowercase L. I, I couldn't tell, but shout out to you—you you are the winner here. Uh, and they wind up with a Brady, Fournette, Antonio Brown stack, Jalen Waddle on the bring back, and then a whole bunch of chalk. I mean, this is really, you know, not dissimilar than the uh, than the lineups that we've basically talked about all so long. Uh, and you know what's funny, Sia? If you actually used the GPP lineup that we talked about, you would have finished first in our FFT DFS contest. So how about that?
1: Yeah, well, it sounds like uh, whatever this acronym, I, I guess we have to split it then. Uh, whoever won, you can just then know <laughs> me, half the money. No, but uh, yeah, you know. I mean, listen, uh, you guys know, I play more than a few combination of lineups, so I hear you, but if, if I could have said that across the board for all the tournaments I played this week, I, I'd be a rich man, that's for sure. I will point out with this lineup, winds
0: up with uh, 218.94 on DraftKings. Dalton Schultz at the tight end position, 16.7% owned here, 4,400. I think that, you know, I talked about Trevor Lawrence, how we're closer to using him more frequently. I kind of feel the same way, Mike, uh, about Dalton Schultz, where he is very clearly the, I guess, the third pass catcher, the the Michael Gallup that we were expecting in the Cowboys offense. Cooper, Lamb, they're going to get theirs. But Dalton Schultz has, has really emerged here as a legitimate tight end to consider, even... At his, you know, 4,000 to 4,500 price range.
2: Yeah, definitely. And he's really honestly seems to get there too without the game script really mattering. Uh, you know, it's another game where you thought they're going to run the ball a lot, you know, their home favorites by a touchdown, still gets there, several targets, six catches, 80 yards. Like, yeah, he's definitely someone that's, uh, going to be used frequently. I think another interesting thing I want to point out about that lineup, I actually really like that lineup. Uh, I like the fact that they ran the Cardinals defense here. Uh, They made the decision that they were going to go for Tom Brady. They were going to fade the Trey Lance chalk. The best way to apply some that situation is to play the quarterback or play the defense against the most popular quarterback. And, you know, they didn't put up a massive score, but eight points at 2,900, like it makes a lot of sense if Lance isn't having a big game You know, I I thought this was a really nice lineup. They didn't play Debo Samuel. They completely avoided that situation and then poured a little fuel onto that fire uh, in the form of leverage with the defense.
0: Honestly, Antonio Brown, man, like, geez, this guy is just getting it done right now. Uh, Find someone who loves you the way that Tom Brady loves Antonio Brown because that is just, (laughs) that is a match made in heaven. Uh, And it is working out right now for both the Tampa Bay Bucks and for uh, DFS owners who are... Throwing those guys in the lineup weekly. Let's take a quick break. When we return, take an early look at week six pricing here on Fantasy Football Today DFS.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: All right. So week six is already here. 10 games on the main slate. Another London game between the Jaguars and the Dolphins. I am, uh, I'm sorry to the people out in London. You had to watch the Jets last week. Now you have to watch the uh, the Jaguars take on the Dolphins. Look, at least you're getting football, I guess, but it's not the best. It's not the best. We also have four teams on a bye. The Falcons, the Saints, the Jets, and the 49ers were also, will also be without the Bucks, the Eagles, the Bills, and Derrick Henry. I'm not going to mention the Titans, just Derrick Henry because... Derrick Henry is the Titans at this point. Uh, We don't have them on the main slate because they are in the Island Games this week, Thursday Night Football and Monday Night Football. We do, however, get the Kansas City Chiefs back, so that will bring a smile to Mike's face. Of course, we have three games with a total over 50 points as of now, according to Caesar Sportsbook, with the Cowboys and Pats just below 50 at 49 and a half. And I have a feeling lots of eyes will be on the Chiefs and Washington football team that game and then the Chargers and the Ravens so let's start at the quarterback position Patrick Mahomes 8300 on DraftKings he's 9k on FanDuel he is the highest priced quarterback on both sides. and we have five more that are over 7k five more quarterbacks that are over 7k on DraftKings Dak Prescott at the Patriots, he's seventy one hundred. Aaron Rodgers at the Bears, a divisional matchup, seventy two hundred. There, Justin Herbert at the Ravens, seventy three hundred. Lamar Jackson versus the Chargers, seventy four hundred. And Kyler Murray at the Browns, he is up at seventy nine hundred dollars. Mike Patrick Mahomes on the slate, eighty three hundred. It's a big price tag. Something's like kind of going on with the Chiefs right now. They seem like they're just off. Obviously, the defense has has been pretty atrocious all season long. What's going on? What's going on with these Chiefs?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, the defense is not doing them any favors. As far as the offense, the offense is still a very good unit. Uh, very, very efficient. And the, Mahomes is easily the top quarterback on the slate again this week. Uh, but you're also going to be able to play Heineke in that same game. You're going to be able to play Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think this is still another interesting spot for Carson Wentz as well. Um, but yeah, Mahomes is by far the uh, the top quarterback on the slate.
0: Lamar Jackson, by the way, shout out to Lamar on Monday Night Football, 442 passing yards, four touchdowns, 62 rushing yards. He completed 86% of his passes, 43 passes. So it's not like, you know, he's throwing 30 passes and they're all like dink and dunk, whatever, like Davis Mills type passes. By the way, Davis Mills looked pretty good this past week, too. Uh, but Lamar Jackson, just an absolute beast. Uh, and uh that game going up against the Chargers. The Chargers and Browns combined for 89 total points last week, so I have a feeling that will be a a pretty popular game. Again, the Chargers and the Ravens. There's nothing that really stands out to me in the mid-tier, but Mike, you mentioned two value plays. Taylor Heineke, 5,800 in that game against the Chiefs. Carson Wentz going up against the Houston Texans. He's 5,400, and it feels like Carson Wentz is having a bad year, but he has at least 17.9 DK points in four of five games this season. See what do you think about the quarterback position? Any higher price quarterbacks? Any values that you like?
1: Yeah, I don't think I have much interest in in Carson Wentz, but if we're gonna look down there, obviously Taylor Heineke makes sense going up against the Kansas City defense. That's kind of one of those that could be really hit or it could be really miss. Even if Taylor Heineke turns the ball over, which he's been prone to doing, that doesn't necessarily crush his value. It just means they get the ball back and he's even even in a more negative game script. So I think he's got just enough weapons to move the ball up and down the field. Obviously, they're going to lose that game, but it's a 55-point total. Joe Burrow was somewhat interesting to me down there at 6,300, but it's really all about the elite quarterbacks to me. I mean, I, I put down so far Mahomes, Kyler, Lamar, and Herbert. Obviously, I'm not going to be able to play all four of those guys, but I'm probably going to just narrow my focus. And by Thursday, we'll talk about it on two of those guys. Mahomes is definitely going to be one of them. I will say this, however, I'm—we need to monitor the Tyreek Hill knee injury. It's been described as minor. I don't know what that means because anytime you're talking about the knee, nothing seems minor to me. So um, obviously a Mahomes-Kelsey stack makes sense. You could even throw in um, McCole Hardman if you want, and you can kind of avoid that Tyree Kill situation. But against the Washington back end, Tyree Kill is the exact guy that could get loose because that back end is so undisciplined, it's actually kind of comical. So um, Mahomes is what I'm focused on. If I had to pick a second quarterback in that high range right now, it would probably be Justin Herbert.
0: Travis Kelsey, by the way, you mentioned a potential stack candidate. Pay attention to his injury status. He is de- dealing with, quote, a bit of a stinger. So uh, should be all right. But both him and Tyreek Hill a little bit banged up here early on in the week. The running back position, Christian McCaffrey, the highest priced running back on both sites. He is 8800 on DraftKings. He is 10 k on FanDuel. And head coach Matt Rule is hopeful that CMC will be able to return this week. Austin Eckler gets the price bump All the way up to 7,900, he's at the Baltimore Ravens. We just saw Jonathan Taylor have a massive game on Monday Night Football, thanks in large part to a 76-yard screen pass that went for a touchdown. But Eckler, by the way, 22 or more DraftKings points in four straight games. He has a 16% target share During that span. So the the role is just awesome right now for Austin Eckler. Uh, And then we have to wait and see with Dalvin cook. He's 7,700. Alexander Madison is 6,200. And Madison has uh, exactly 32 touches in each game that Dalvin cook has missed. Mike, what do you think about the, uh, the elites here, these higher price running backs in week six?
2: Uh, it's all going to depend on Alexander Madison, um, and the Dalvin cook situation. I'm not going to be playing Christian McCaffrey personally. Uh, not all the way at the top, but as of right now, it's going to be Deandre Swift and Alexander Madison. Uh, you talking about it's what I ran in that, uh, in my lineups last week as well. Um, it's going to be running it back. You talk about price bumps. Deandre Swift really hasn't got that big price bump yet. Uh, but he now has three games this season of 22 plus DraftKings points. Uh, it's just, Doesn't matter. They like to use him in the passing game. Six targets last week, six catches, 53 yards. Still approaching that 8 to 15 handoffs. um, Finds his way into the end zone again. I I like him again, especially if it's going to be a situation where we have elite value with Madison. I think it's going to be a perfect spot to pair him, fade that top running back. You know, you're obviously fading a scenario like Derrick Henry. Derrick, that's the, the beautiful part about last week, right? Like Derrick Henry had an absolutely smash game. Three touchdowns, you know, or what do you have? Three touchdowns? I believe we had three yep. touchdowns, 130 yards. Like that is really tough to do. You take him down to his median number, which is 110 yards and only two touchdowns. That's a massive difference on that slate. So a lot of lineups we had still got there, still won, still cashed while fading a three touchdown, 130 yard game from Derek Henry. I don't think we're looking at 130 yards and three touchdowns for Christian McCaffrey this week. I think it's a really, really, really easy fade. If um, we get that situation again where Madison is in play. So I'm completely ignoring Madison at the top. I'm not playing any Austin Eckler at this point either. Um, just because the price point is awfully prohibitive. He's you know fifteen to $2,000 cheaper than a lot of the running backs that I'll be interested in. And then I do have one value running back. Do you want it now or do you want to talk value in a few minutes? Go ahead. Go for it. Uh, I think we got to look at Jerick McKinnon for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, he was out there running a lot of little routes. He was out there on the field quite a bit in that last game. Now they're without Clyde Edwards-Elair. We think that Travis Kelsey is banged up just a little bit. Tyree kills banged up just a little bit. I was very encouraged with the amount of time that he was on the field in that last game. At forty-four hundred dollars in tournaments, uh, I think it could be a very, very interesting part of a Kansas City onslaught if you want to stack him. Just like in the past, when we've stacked uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair with Patrick Mahomes, I think the price point is cheap enough that you can get away with doing that uh, in this week.
0: Jarek McKinnon is 4400 on DraftKings, and he played 31% of the snaps last week. Obviously, Clyde Edwards-Elair left that game with injury, and he has been placed on IR. So McKinnon and Daryl Williams are the running backs that we'll be looking at for the Kansas City Chiefs. And in terms of routes run, Jerick McKinnon had 22 routes last week compared to 24 for Daryl Williams. So uh, pretty, pretty even split there uh, between the two chiefs running backs. There were a few other mid tier standouts that I like. Deandre Swift definitely stands out. Uh, he has a 19% target share for the season, which is second. Uh, it's third among running backs um, so far to this point. So, He's played over 70% of the snaps back-to-back weeks. The targets are there for DeAndre Swift. Uh, definitely with you on that one. And then Jonathan Taylor, 6,600. Obviously had that massive game. He does have th- exactly three reception receptions in back-to-back games, so it's nice to see Taylor being used in the pass game. Joe Mixon, I will just bring up because Samaj P. Ryan is on the COVID list, and Detroit is just a fantastic matchup for running backs. So we have to make sure Mixon is healthy. He did not play a full complement of snaps last week, but... If he's good to go for this game, it uh, could be a smash spot against the Detroit Lions. And then Daryl Henderson in the mid-tier. He's 6K. He's at the Giants. He has 116 total yards or a touchdown in all four games that he's played. See, the only thing that gives me pause is that Sony Michel was more involved last week than he has been uh, when Henderson was active before.
1: Yeah, it's still pretty good value, but honestly, he's not somebody that I've circled immediately. There's other running backs I like just a bit more than him that are more expensive and less expensive. Namely, I I do want to try to find a way to to pay up for Eckler. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to Mike's point, but but I'm going to try to jam him in. Um, But I like the value with DeAndre Swift, which we've talked about. Daryl Williams, as you know, just sort of you know, if you want to play Jarek McKinnon at 4,400, that makes sense. Daryl Williams, of course, at 4,900 makes sense, and it, it does provide uh, plenty of salary relief. So um, uh, right off the bat. I'm looking at Eckler. I may look at Chubb again. I played him last week. DeAndre Swift and Daryl Williams, though, I have a feeling Daryl Williams is going to be really popular and for good reason. So Swift and Daryl Williams in terms of good value for me so far.
0: And we haven't mentioned the name yet, but Saquon Barkley is not going to play in week six. Devontae Booker is 5,400. He played 88% of the snaps last week. He had 19 touches. He had a receiving touchdown. We've got to see what happens with uh, Daniel Jones, obviously, because I don't know that you want a running back in a Mike Lennon-led offense, even if he's 5,400 and projecting for over 80% of the snaps. But yeah, I think that has a lot to do with uh, Daniel Jones. Mike, any interest in Devontae Booker?
2: Uh, it has a lot to do with Daniel Jones, but I, I do think that it's an interesting spot. Um, I, I'm worried that it, it's not the best matchup to deploy it in against the Rams, but it, it really, like, that play is totally unnecessary if we get to play Alexander Madison again. If we don't get to play Alexander Madison again, all of a sudden plays like that become a little bit more interesting just because we might want to have a similar build on the rest of our lineups. But if we get to play DeAndre Swift, Alexander Madison again, I don't think that there's really any scenario that I'm going to be jamming Devontae Booker in as...
1: Yep, I think that's hey, makes- it. And Frank, one other thing in terms of just finding a guy that might present some speculative value at least and maybe a pivot off of a popular Daryl Williams is Brandon Bolden, who he plays at home against Dallas. Dallas is probably going to be up even though it's at New England. I have a feeling Dallas is going to control that game pretty much from start to finish. And Bolden we know is playing that James White role. Last week he had four four targets and I think four receptions. He had a couple of carries. But I think we might even see more work in the passing game with Brandon Bolden this week. And as he gets more comfortable with this role and in a negative game script, I could absolutely see him getting six catches, maybe sneaking a touchdown, maybe two to five carries. So that's just something to consider. 4700 is a pretty cheap price tag, especially when you're trying to jam in Patrick Mahomes with Kelsey or Hill and you know maybe an Austin Eckler or something like that.
0: Let's move on to the wide receiver position. Devontae Adams is 9 k on DraftKings. He's the highest priced wide receiver there, and he's 8,500 on FanDuel. He's actually the second highest behind Tyreek Hill. There are three others over 8K on DraftKings. Tyreek Hill is 8,500. Let's see what happens with this minor knee injury he's dealing with. Mike Williams. I apologize to Mike Williams because last week I said, what's the difference between Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen? Why is he $700 more? Well... Last week is the reason why Mike Williams is $700 more than Keenan Allen. He is 8100 in this spot against the Ravens. And then Justin Jefferson all the way up at 8 k at the Carolina Panthers. See, we'll start with you this time. Uh, high-priced wide receivers here and anyone else that you're looking at.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, by the way, another difference between Mike Williams and Keenan Allen is I believe that Mike Williams is in a contract year. So surprise, he's really good. Um, (laughs) Devontae Adams, you know, at 9,000 at Chicago, I'll probably end up avoiding that, but I'm curious to hear what Mike has to say about him. Tyreek Hill, we'll just have to monitor. He's probably not going to practice Wednesday and then everybody's going to be up in arms, but we know how veterans deal with Wednesday practices. So we'll really have to monitor. Maybe we'll have some more information on our Thursday show our game by game recap. Um, or maybe Friday, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Other high price guys I like, I think I'm going to go back to DJ Moore at 7300 I think that's decent value. He's at home in a nice bounce back spot against a a secondary that features, um who is it again? Brashad Breland and Patrick Peterson. Yeah, I mean, he it's just a perfect bounce back spot, especially considering that Sam Darnold hasn't really been that good. Now he gets to go against a bad secondary. So I like DJ Moore quite a bit. Obviously, Terry McLaurin is in play. Heineke's going to target him for better or for worse. Even if he's covered, he's going to target Terry McLaurin quite a bit. As we go down the range, some value guys I like. And again, this is a preliminary look. T. Higgins at 5,300 as a cheaper pivot off of Jamar Chase, who is finally getting priced up to where we think his talent level is at. Tim Patrick at 5,100 is interesting. Odell at 5,100. Speaking of bounce back spots, I mean, this guy is definitely in Baker Mayfield's ear at this point, especially after what was it, a two catch, very pedestrian, I believe 20 yards this last game. I just think it's one of those things where Baker likes to force Odell, and I could see absolutely seeing that happening. Uh McCole Hardman at 4200 is excellent value against the Washington football team, and Amon St. Brown is only 4200. He got a plenty of targets and catches last week. We know Quintes Cephas is out. Hawkinson's sort of getting bottled up because they're challenging golf to throw the ball down the field. I think that's great value.
0: Yep, Amonra St. Brown has a 24 percent target share over the last two weeks, and Jared Goff, someone who you know, he likes to target the middle of the field, some shorter A dot kind of throws, and Amara St. Brown is someone who is uh, consistently running out of the slot there for the Detroit Lions. A few other mid tier standouts. You mentioned some of these, Sia, but I'm with you. I like DJ Moore at 7300. Cooper Cup is at the Giants. He's 7900. Terry McLaurin, I think, will be very very popular this week. He's 7100 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Jamar Chase is all the way up to 6,700. I wouldn't blame people if they want to take the savings of T. Higgins, but it's very clear to me that Jamar Chase is hashtag good, and um, all this fuss that people made in the preseason about him dropping passes is very foolish, obviously, in hindsight. Uh, Keenan Allen, I like just... In that game, a way to get exposure to it, 6400 Still think that that price is a little bit too cheap for his role in the offense. And then uh, Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown is having a breakout year. He is the wide receiver six overall this season in season-long leagues, 24% target share being targeted down the field. He is 5900 and again, you get exposure to that game between the Chargers and the Ravens. Mike, any other mid-tier standouts for you and your thoughts on Devontae Adams as he's obviously priced up, He's amazing. He's got a 38% target share, but Packers are four and a half point road favorites in a game with a 45 point total. What do you think?
2: Yeah, so the uh, Devontae Adams... I'll call it a problem, is obviously the price point and then Tyreek Hill. So we're playing Patrick Mahomes. I want to pair him with Tyreek Hill. Uh, I like the amount of one-on-one coverage he's going to see against this Washington football defense. Uh, So I'm all in on Tyreek Hill as long as he's active, which is going to take me off of Devontae. In most lineups, unless we just get some absolutely crazy value that opens up later in the week. Uh, I Right now, like cash game wise, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Nicole Hardman. And then I'm probably going to end up with Ricky Seals Jones as my tight end in the punt. Um, that game is just incredibly stackable on both sides. Obviously, everybody knows it. Uh, other wide receivers I really like, though I'm very encouraged with Michael Pittman. Uh, you know, I mentioned I had some interest in Carson Wentz. I think Pittman is still too cheap at 5,500. I think this is a spot where, yes, they are playing the Texans. However, it is a little bit of a shorter week. These games do still get more competitive than you think that they do in these division spots. They're going to be just better enough that I, I think Pittman still gets hit with his targets, and I think he could still have a pretty big day here uh, with you guys on Terry McLaurin. The one thing that I'd like to point out, too, is the Rams. I think the Rams are going to be the ones that are the odd men out this week. I think they're going to be a lot like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week. I think that we all know that they should go in and win this game very easily. However, they throw the ball. With Stafford, they throw the ball still. And Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, both, in my opinion, too cheap. Um, You know, Cooper Cup, not necessarily, but... Honestly, if we think a lot of people are going to pay up for, say, Austin Eckler at running back when we know that we might have Swift and Madison to play, I'd rather use that same salary on a guy like Cooper Cup as a leverage play in a tournament because we know people aren't going to be prioritizing $7,900 Cooper Cup when you've got Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Terry McLaurin those guys in play. So I think that that's going to be a really, really interesting tournament play. And then of course the Bengals, Um, you know, outside of that chiefs, Washington football team game, that that Bengals lions game uh, with some of the injuries on, you know, P Ryan's going to be out. Mixon's kind of banged up a little bit. They're going to look to throw maybe even a little bit more, even if they are controlling that game. Uh, I like Higgins a lot. I'm not afraid to pay that price tag for Jamar chase. I think that chase is legitimately a $7,500 player. It's one of those dilemmas where like you, you're so conditioned by what that initial salary was that it's hard to accept that the initial salary was just a terrible salary to begin with. And like this player is like one of the next Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill type players in this league. And you're probably still getting a thousand dollar discount even at this price point. So you can take advantage of some of that psychology and the anchoring from previous weeks uh, I, I think he's an absolutely fantastic play again this week, especially if you're playing uh Swift.
0: And I love what you had to say about Cooper Cup, right? Like we see a seventy nine hundred dollar price tag and you know your your first thought is no, that's not cheap, but I think it is. I think it's cheap for the role that he has. He has a thirty-three percent target share on the season going up against uh the Giants in this game. So I mean you you look at names like Devontae Adams, he's eleven hundred dollars more for a it's a better role, but it's a similar role. So I, I do like the savings there that you get on Cooper Cup versus Devontae Adams in GBPs this week. One other name I'll just throw out there. I know Adam Thielen has been very pedestrian. It seems like he's touchdown dependent at this point. You could say all that is fine. 50 yards or less in four straight games. He is $5,800. He is $2,200 less than Justin Jefferson. And this isn't, anything, like, this isn't anything against Justin Jefferson. Like He deserves to be AK. That's perfectly fine. I just think that maybe the pricing has gone a little bit too far here with Adam Thielen. At the tight end position, I mentioned that like there's three plays that I'm really looking at. And it's Travis Kelsey, if you want to pay up. He is 7K on DraftKings, 8,500 on Fanduel. He's the highest priced tight end. Mark Andrews goes for 44.7 DK points on Monday Night Football. He's 5,200. Big total in that game against the Chargers. A defense that just got destroyed by David Njoku. So... Keep that in mind. And then Ricky Seals-Jones will be very popular. He's 3K, great role in the offense. No Logan Thomas, 20% target share last week. See ya. Uh, those are the three tight ends that stand out to me. Is there anyone else that you're looking at or is it just those three?
1: Actually, it's just those three, believe <laughs> it or not. Those are the three I had written down, but I do want to point out because I don't know what his price is at. I'm, maybe you guys can help me. Where is Dan Arnold? Uh, he is
2: on, Dan Arnold is not on the slate. He's in the right? London oh. game,
1: yep. On That's right. Okay. I really wanted to play him again. <laughs> um, no, I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I guess you could throw in Noah Fant maybe at 4,800, but I don't see why you pay for, for Noah Fant when you've got Dalton Schultz at 4,900 and, and, uh, rsj down there and mark andrews at 5200 so i think it's going to be a pretty tight core unless something opens up unless unless you know some news comes out otherwise
0: yeah i was thinking maybe evan ingram at 3400 if daniel jones plays and and you know kenny Galladay's out there dealing with injuries but even that i mean you can get 400 dollars worth of savings for rsj so like what do we think about the tight end position
2: Yeah, no, you guys have hit the nail on the head. It's these three, and really these three only right now. What I think is interesting about it is, especially with the Mark Andrews of old seeming to be back at this point, and the price point at $3,000 on Ricky Sales jones in that game, it's already going to be a very natural part of our game stacks because we're likely playing some form of the Kansas City Chiefs, whether it's Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill, or at the very least, probably Mecole Hardman in your lineups. If you're looking you know, for those value pieces, it's going to be a week where I'm going to have double tight ends. Uh, I'm going to have Ricky Sales jones in there, and then I'll be playing either Travis Kelsey, depending on the status of Tyree Hill and or Kelsey's own health and Mark Andrews both, because the price point on Mark Andrews, now that it seems like Baltimore is really willing to try to play football and that role is back. I mean, this is a guy that we're used to seeing at 6,700, right? So again, another situation where it's just the value is there. It's very similar, obviously very different position, but it's very similar to the value on Alexander Madison. When they have that role, it's like he has a new role. It's like he's filling in for someone that because he wasn't they weren't throwing the ball early in the season but now things have very much changed for the baltimore ravens so i'm going to be playing all three of these guys heavily and i would say probably two-thirds of the lineups right now are going to be double tight end lineups and then one last comment on ownership in general for this slate and especially at this position Things are going to look a lot different this week because it is the first week with buys. We've got the London game. Things are spread out on the slate. We've been used to dealing with 13 or 14 game main slates. We have a 10 game main slate that drastically impacts ownership percentages. And we potentially have a couple of these spots where like Madison, again, just obvious misprice, obvious free squares. Things are going to be a little crazy this week.
0: All right, let's wrap up with a few Thursday night showdown thoughts between the Bucs and the Eagles. The Bucs are seven-point favorites here with a 52-point total, and we did get some news earlier on Tuesday that Dallas Goddard landed on the COVID list, so Zach Ertz stands out as a clear value. Going to be very popular play here in the showdown slate. He is 3,200, and that allows you to get up for some of those popular pass catchers, Antonio Brown is 8,200. He's the cheapest of the three Bucs wide receivers. Leonard Fournette has a great role in this offense right now. He's 7,800. And then Devontae Smith is someone that stood out to me at his price. He is 8,800. Very clearly the top pass catching target for Jalen Hurts. Mike, anything else that you'd like to add Thursday Night Football?
2: Um, I'm running some numbers as we speak. So give me like five seconds and we'll see what some of the stuff spits out. But, uh, you, you, nailed it there. Obviously the story is Zach Ertz, uh, going to have that role all to himself there. I think Kenneth Gainwell, is someone who's going to be very interesting. Uh, again, remember these are showdown slates, uh, way different than a full slate, but at $2,400, he's firmly in play. Now the, with those injuries, like it's, you're, you're going to play Jalen Hurts. You're going to play Tom Brady for sure. Uh, And then it's Zach Ertz, Gainwell. I love those two pieces. And then you can load up with either Mike Evans in the same lineup or Chris Godwin. Um, So like one of the lineups I've got here, I've got Ertz, Hertz, Brady, Evans, Godwin, and OJ Howard. You can play Gainwell. Let's see. Other, the highest owned players for me will be Zach Ertz, Kenneth Gainwell, and then the two quarterbacks. And then after that, it looks like the guy that I'm the lowest on is Antonio Brown at this point. Um, just because the, the the way the price point is, it looks like he's the one out of that group that I'm the lowest on. Chris Godwin, I'm the highest on. Um, kind of makes sense. The, the gap in the price point between the two isn't super large uh, in this matchup.
0: All right. And let's see what happens with Rob Gronkowski as well, because it sounds like he's going to be ready to go. He's missed the past two weeks, but for some reason, if he uh, can't get on the practice field, he's, if he's not healthy again for Thursday night football, then obviously names like Cameron Brayton, OJ Howard become more enticing there.
1: We, hey, and let, let me ahead. point out one other guy as I, as I scan this, because I think, I think Kenny Gainwell and Zach Ertz are, are really great as cheap options. If you have to, if you're spending up and you have to take a super cheap guy, I think Tyler Johnson is at least a little interesting. He got three targets, three catches last game. I noticed he was on the field quite a bit. I, I don't, I'm not looking at his snap share at the moment, but as a fourth receiver on this team, it's pretty good salary relief at one thousand.
0: I did want to mention, you know, I, I thought this is where you're going to go because I know you like the player, see it, but Miles Sanders is just like a complete contrarian play here. I know that the Bucks are great against stopping the run, but as a result. Teams are throwing the ball to their running backs more. So maybe that means that's Kenneth Gainwell in this game. But uh, Miles Sanders just had five receptions last week. He did absolutely nothing with those. We just saw Miles Gaskin have 10 catches and a receiving touchdown last week against the Tampa Bay Bucs. So it... Bit of a contrarian play there, but Miles Sanders, someone that stands out to me. That'll do it for Mike and you. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today. DFS, the next time you hear us or watch us, we'll be on a Thursday as we break down the entire main slate for Week 6. We'll see you then.